this. This is a football podcast, man. Meat. Football. Good. Man, we talk football. We eat burgers. <laughs> Welcome back to the Fantasy Brothers Podcast. Josh Johnson, Ben Watts here with you on a nice and very tranquil Wednesday evening. For you, it's Friday morning, but don't worry about it. It's a nice, it's, a, it's been a nice day. This is a nice episode. We have a couple, you know, I, I yelled at you last Friday, deservingly so, and yep. we went over a lot of guys who were losers, and deservedly so, they suck. But <laughs> today's upbeat. Yay, we get some winners. Good things are happening. We get to be positive. I like it. Good so, on these guys. Like, like you said, we got some draft winners today. But before we hop into that, we got a little bit of news from Nothing, the world of the NFL. Nothing major. Actually, there is Nothing. one massive story in this. Massive. Huge. Is it massive? How, it's how huge. massive? Game. It's this will How, change the game of football as we know it. So, b- before we get into the massive one, because we're gonna we're gonna do some suspense. Mike Davis was signed <laughs> by the Baltimore Ravens. This is a big one, but not nothing. a massive one. No, it does not mean anything. <laughs> like what in the world? Um, I mean, it's I don't it's know. good depth for the Ravens, but whatever. Yeah. Nothing too nothing too fancy. Uh also in irrelevant news, Nate Peterman signed by the Bears to be I guess their This was the big one. This was it. Yeah. Yeah. Do y'all understand Justin Fields is gone now? Nathan Peterman is I going mean, to might, win the MVP. He might be gone anyway, let's be honest. I I think we're focusing a little too much on Justin Fields here. Nate Peterman <laughs> is coming. Mr. He's three here. Touch, or three picks and a half, Nate Peterman? We're talking about five Was interceptions. What? Was it five? How many interceptions did that man throw in a half? I think football? he threw, I think it was five. Oh my God. You would think at a certain point you get to be a professional, really good quarterback, that that just doesn't happen, you know? I could do that. I could do that, yeah. You pay you, you pay me $3 million, dollars, I will go out on that field and face those men and throw five interceptions. Yeah. I could I could give you 30 yards passing and five picks and a half. I'm not going to say sure. I could give you 30 yards passing. I could give you five picks, though. Yeah. Well, you know... I'm your man. Be winners. I am your man. <laughs> KJ Hamler said that he wants to be Russell Wilson's Tyler Lockett. I said before the show, everybody really? wants to be Russell Wilson's Tyler Lockett. I like, never what? would have guessed okay. that. I want to be Russell Wilson's number one target and become a star. Really? Really? I, okay, I want to do a quick digression here because I think it's PFF. First of all, we don't like PDF that much, or P- PFF that much. I just call them PDF. PFF, we, we, we got beef. <laughs> so, like, they've been posting a bunch of quotes 
from Russell Wilson about Broncos receivers and Broncos receivers about Russell Wilson. And like, I don't, at a certain point, it just is silly because the entire nature of all these quotes is the receivers want to be good players. Russell Wilson wants them to be good players. Can we just like stop posting quotes from KJ Hamler, from Cortland Sutton, from Jerry Judy saying like, hey, I want to be good at football because obviously you want to be good at football. These quotes, as they get people excited, but they they mean absolutely nothing. They're like there was they one mean quote that said literally nothing. Russell Wilson was talking about like, oh yeah, Javante Williams can run the ball. Like, yes, we know he can run the ball. <laughs> yeah, just because Russ came out and said Javante Williams can run the ball does not mean he's a top five running back this year. Russell Wilson has said something good about Tim Patrick, but that doesn't mean Tim Patrick is going to be good for fantasy. Like. Let's let's be honest about what we're seeing here and take it with a grain of salt. A pound, yeah. maybe. I mean, it's good to hype up the players, I guess, but, I mean, it, whatever. Yeah, who cares? All right, the big news. Tom Brady got paid uh, $375 million. This was not the big news. We oh, already went over the big right. news. Nate, Nate Peterman. Nate Peterman was the big news. In like runner-up news, Tom Brady got this, paid $375 This news is more, they're going to make, uh, once this rich man retires, they're going to make him richer. He's going to make more money calling games from the booth than he did in 22 years as the GOAT of football. And he doesn't have to get hit this time. That's crazy. Good for you, Tom. I'm, I'm happy for you. He deserves it. He does. I mean... I don't know if he can call a football game yet, but I would assume he's probably going to be pretty good at that too. Is it going to be like Romo when he was in the booth over there predicting plays? Like, I think they're going to run this and then they run that. Honestly, he might. Who knows? What's funny is Romo makes half of what Tom Brady's going to make. Oh, my gosh. Well, I mean, what are you going to pay Romo the same amount as you're going to pay the GOAT? No. The man won seven Super Bowls. Absolutely not. He might win eight. Who knows? Yeah. Tony Romo makes, or at least made a couple years ago, $18 million a year calling games for Fox. I want to call games. Or not Fox. Whoever, CBS, whoever it is that he calls games for. $18 million a year. And Tom Brady's going to make, what, 37 and a half? Double that? Just a cool, chill... Tom, Tom if you need an assistant, I'm there. Ben, you're going to have to do a little bit more in the, um, how do I say this? You're going to have to show some more skin to be Tom Brady's assistant. I will do it. What would you not do? I am your man. <laughs> as Tom I Brady's am... <laughs> Not much. There's very little. <laughs> oh, God. Money solves All a right. lot of problems. It, it does. Uh, you know, a nice, cool six-figure salary, Ben will... Do just about anything. Yep. I'm you, man. I'm there. We got some draft winners today. Uh, on a on a more positive note, these are guys that, you know, might have not been worth a whole lot before the draft or maybe were worth a lot less. But or now that the draft really is scared happened, of them. Yeah, there was more question marks. There was definitely a lot more to be scared of. But now that the draft has happened, things, the fog is cleared a little bit. And uh, we we can say with a like thirty percent chance of certainty that these guys will be good for fantasy next year. 
Yeah, we're no longer guaranteeing 100%. No. That ship has sailed. That we was can a guarantee... Couple, that was a few weeks ago. <laughs> we can guarantee failure with the best of them, but guaranteeing success, uh, yeah. I can't. We yeah. can't even guarantee that failure at this point. You told me last yeah. year that I would have bet money Cordero Patterson was useless up until last year. I think about 300,000 people in the United States alone would have bet a million dollars that Cordero Patterson would suck for fantasy last year. Yeah. He was, he's been a you return man for eight United years, States. and now he's suddenly an RB1. Crazy. The first winner, though, we talked about him a little bit, is Mr. Christian Watson, the second-round pick from the Green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers, I, potentially to win. wide receiver one. You tend to win when Chris, when Aaron Rodgers is your quarterback. Generally is a good thing when the back-to-back MVP is the guy throwing you passes. You love to see it. So here's the thing with Christian Watson. He profiles as an outside alpha wide receiver. He's a fast guy. He's a big guy. Here's the thing, though. There's question marks about his production profile from college. He was not necessarily the, I don't know, most dominant player at the FCS level that you would want your wide receiver to be last year or his last full season in college. He had uh, 43 catches for 800 yards, seven touchdowns. So it's not exactly amazing. I think we can kind of... And we kind of chalk that up to the offense he was in, though. Yeah, they they play in a ground-and-pound kind of slow-paced offense. So I'm not I'm not super worried that he didn't, you know, shatter records or anything. He was in a run, very run-heavy offense. He was still dominant. He was awesome. I'm not I'm not super worried about that profile kind of thing. The other question mark is the potential. And again, we've said this before that Aaron Rodgers doesn't zero in on him because we've got the history of Rodgers likes to develop that relationship and connection with his wide receiver one. And it is a time plus consistency equals your desired result kind of deal. And obviously, Watson, you can't expect time plus consistency. He's a rookie. So there is the potential doubt that he's not the wide receiver one in Green Bay. Maybe they bring somebody in still. There's still guys like Jarvis Landry out there, Odell Beckham out there, and that would obviously put a damper in this. But I think even if they were to bring somebody in, even if Alan Lazard takes over the number one wide receiver role in the offense, Christian Watson has the talent to ascend to that spot, maybe not this year, but next year or the year after, where he's got the tools to be really good. It's just a matter of will it happen for him. Yeah. He has to take advantage of it, but he'll. Everything like you said, everything's there for him to succeed. So I am extremely excited. I'm gonna, I want to see Jordy Nelson 2.0 out there. I don't know if you get Jordy Nelson. Jordy Nelson was a little bit, a little bit shorter. No, Jordy was a pretty tall guy, wasn't he? He was like five eleven, if I remember right. Are you serious? I thought Jordy Nelson was tall. Let's look this up. Let's see here been a while since Jordy Nelson played. Last time I saw Jordy Nelson, oh, he was 6'3". Okay. Yeah, I told you. Jordy Nelson's a pretty big dude. I 
you know, the whole time I really thought he was like 5'11". Like, I always imagined Wes Welker when talking about Jordy Nelson. That's where he always had those, for whatever reason, I was like, I picture these really long touchdowns he'd always have. This 70-yarder, he's just behind the safety for whatever reason, just gone. Oh, yeah. A-Rod loved to throw deep to him. Next up, we've got a trio of Falcons because they're all winners. A lot Basically, of Falcons. Um, Very excited. Yeah. Uh, Tyler Algier, first and foremost. A guy that probably was not fifth going to be wonder. relevant at all. Yeah, a fifth-round draft pick. That does not indicate fantasy success usually. But you're a resident Falcons fan. What is your general opinion of Tyler Algier for your offense in 2022? I think he slots in pretty quickly as... I don't know if he's necessarily RB1. He might be the RB1. Honestly, I think he'll split with Cordero, but Cordero is going to get used a lot in the passing game this year, I think. And I've seen a lot of reports, Falcon beat writers saying they're going to use Cordero a lot from the slot and things like that. So it's good news only for Tyler Algier. I would be worried that they quickly replace him next season, kind of like Michael Carter. But, I mean, you can snag him off waivers, get you a cheap RB2 flex play to slot in this year. He's going to be pretty good for fantasy, I think. Don't bank on it, but I'd take a late-round shot on him, 100%. I would imagine he's got a little bit of that Mike Davis role in the offense last year. and He'll be better than You don't have to be great. Right, that's... Like, he doesn't have to do a ton to be better than what Mike Davis was for them last year. And I think he is, you know, I don't know. Like, he might just be Mike Davis. And, again, that's like a flex play. You're not really excited about it, but no. it's something. And it's it's still scary because, you know, I'm just thinking back in my head on a lot of those Falcons games we had. And just our offense is not going to score four touchdowns a game. So you can't count on that opportunity with him either. They may score two or three, and I'm assuming a lot of them are going to go to Cordero. A lot are going to, or a lot of attempts at least, are going to go through London and Pitts. Marriott is a pretty good runner himself. So when there's not that many to go around, and several other good options. I don't trust Taylor Algier, but I like it as a shot. Yeah. You mentioned Drake London. He should walk into immediately 130-ish targets. About Drake London. Very happy. Yeah, he... So, like, I think initially Garrett Wilson seemed like the kind of player that would fit in that offense. Hand That's who I was hoping for. Right. Initially. But now that you got Drake London, you've got the Twin Towers out there with Kyle Pitts and Drake London. You've got two... I mean, if you're not going to get separation, you've at least got two players that can go up and snag a ball. Like, two really good jump ball catchers in Pitts and London. And monsters theoretically, London... Yeah. Theoretically, London takes pressure off Pitts and vice versa. Yeah, that's why we, I don't we know both got the, them as winners. Because I I love Kyle Pitts. I'm a huge Kyle Pitts fan. I think he's an elite talent, everything like that. But he's going 
to just like t- our t- we had so few options on our team that I think defenses could just solely take him away, and the offense just can't go anywhere. But now that you add London to the mix, they kind of pull coverage off of each other. They're both going to do well in jump ball scenarios. There's not really many other good passing options, so all the volume is going to go to those two. So it's it's great for both. Holland is walking into a bunch of targets. I, I wouldn't be shocked to see him as end up as the top rookie wide receiver this year just because of target share and the the he's an incredible talent, maybe the most talented wide receiver in this class. So it's it's not going to be fun to watch for me as a Falcon fan, but it's going to be fun to watch these two guys develop and grow together. Right. Jahan Dotson was picked by the Washington Commanders with the 16th pick in the first round of the draft. Yeah. And I think that for a lot of people, that felt like a reach, or it felt like he was getting overdrafted, drafted higher than what we expected him to be. The thing with Jahan Dotson is draft capital plus situation for him equals success. Like, he was not one of the... I guess top tier rookie wide receivers, even though his draft capital would indicate that he was for NFL teams. He's a smaller guy, but he had an elite target share in college. He was the entirety of Penn State's offense. He's very fast. And yeah, he's he's a burner. Like he's a burner that was also a possession guy. Like Jahan Dotson was one of the weird like most difficult guys to project in the pre-draft process because it seemed like he was really good. And if you went to like, I don't know, Green Bay situation like that, he would have been insane and I'd want him everywhere. But he ends up on Washington with Carson Wentz, Terry McLaurin opposite him. So he's not necessarily in a great situation year one, but let's say that they don't re-sign Terry McLaurin. Jahan Dotson's the number one target in that offense, and that's going to be valuable. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> and I mean, as much crap as we give Carson Wentz, he's not, he's not that, he's not terrible. You saw him support Michael Pittman really good last year. Obviously, Terry's the alpha, but I mean, it's a decent situation for Watson to, or Dotson to walk into to where he doesn't have to step in and be the wide receiver one wide away. He can take over Curtis Samuel's role, who Curtis Samuel did nothing last year. And I'm upset about that because I was high on him, but that's a different different conversation. I'm past it. Um, And they have a good running game. Uh, good offensive line. I mean, it's, just, it's a good situation. I think he'll have games where he pops this year. He can stretch the field really well, but he's going to be able to develop, and I think he could he could turn into one of those. I'm trying to think of a good comparison for him. Like a, I don't know who you call him to, like a faster juju kind of guy, a guy who can run really excellent routes. I mean, he's not built like an alpha, but he can eventually have like alpha level usage just of his skill kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't see him as juju because juju is a big guy, and Jahan Dotson's five eleven, one eighty three. So, I don't know. I really don't know, like, what his 
comp is per se, but he's a guy that you would think would be like a deep threat or a slot receiver, but he played as the outside guy for Penn State last year, and it's not like he was playing bums. I mean, the Big Ten's good. Played he played against Ohio State corners and DBs. Oh, he maybe like against, a Deontay Johnson, you know, comp for him. I think. Yeah, yeah, I could, I could sort of see that. Uh, I don't know how big Deontay is. I, I think Deontay's he's a little 5'10". bit thicker, like the two hundred. Yeah, but it, what is he like? Two hundred pounds, something like that. One eighty-five. Oh, there you go. He's the same size. Um, so yeah, that certainly feels like it could be a pretty decent comp. Um, I feel like Dotson is faster. I, feel I like think Dotson is faster. More. Faster. He runs a faster forty than Johnson. What did what did what was Dotson's forty? Four four three. And I'm guessing uh, Deontay was like mid to late I'm, four fours. I'm looking that up right now. So maybe at his ceiling, Jahan Dotson is a Deontay Johnson type player. But also Deontay's part of the reason why Deontay, so yeah, he's a little bit faster, a little bit faster. Part of the reason why Deontay has been good though is he's been hyper targeted by his quarterback for all these years, and that's probably not going to happen initially. Like Carson Wentz will zero in on a wide receiver and target that's gonna the be piss Terry. out of him, and it's going to be Terry, right? So Dotson, he might give you like eighty-ish targets, maybe up to like ninety-ish targets. Which would be really good, because there's, I mean, they got to throw the ball to somebody. There's, there's not that many targets in that offense. Targets got to go Terry somewhere. McLaurin's going to get, yeah, Terry McLaurin's going to get like 130, 140 targets. It, Dotson's not stealing targets from Terry. But I mean, it's just, it's still not terrible. Like he's not going to be one of, the, he's not going to be a guaranteed like you can lock him into your starting lineup. But I think he's going to be one of those guys that slowly, throughout the season, really starts to pick up steam. And will end up being really good. Yeah, and it it does all depend on how good is that offense. Can it support multiple fantasy options? Can he alleviate pressure from Terry McLaurin? You know, is Terry McLaurin better because of this? We don't know. And a lot of these questions will be answered in the season. I think it has to help Terry for sure. Going to pull coverage off of him. You would think it would have to, yeah. So now with a... right. Hopeful upgrade at quarterback and a field stretching option in Jahan Dotson. Hopefully, Curtis Samuel can come back and be something of what we hoped he was. So I think it's only good for both of them. Right. Next guy on here, we are going to pivot to the AFC. And an obvious we're, winner. Oh, we're missing is, one. Are we missing one? Yeah. Look at number three. Oh, Jalen Hurts. The biggest winner on this entire list, probably. Probably is. Um, yeah, I don't know how I missed him. Jalen Hurts, quarterback of the Eagles, received a bona fide wide receiver one. Do you think he got an uh, upgrade? I, I think just a little bit. Just a teeny tiny bit he got an upgrade. We talked about him last time, even though... Devonta Smith and A.J. Brown are losers. Their quarterback is a huge winner. So, okay. 
I have been doing some deep diving in the fantasy community, doing a little bit of research myself, kind of diving into how good can Jalen Hurts be? Because last year he was not amazing. He was good for fantasy. He was very consistent, but he was not amazing. And he wasn't a good passer. He got an absurd amount of his fantasy production from rushing. In fact, it was about 40% of his fantasy production, which was more than Lamar Jackson. Granted, Lamar ran uh, through the ball a ton last year. But here's kind of what I've figured out. If Jalen Hurts is a league average passer, so what is league average? League average last year in the NFL would have been 3,800 yards, 25 touchdowns, and 13 picks. Not great. I mean, dead on average. Like, meh. But if you also add Jalen Hurts per game rushing numbers, he would score over 400 fantasy points, Gosh. which puts him in the conversation <laughs> to be the That's quarterback one. Yeah. Josh Allen scored 420, I think, fantasy points en route to his QB1 season this past year. If Jalen Hurts get to like the, gets to the, the 400 seasons. Right. He scored 430 Jay- last year, or the 2020, and he scored 438 this year. Yeah. So Jalen Hurts doesn't need to be a great passer, and I don't think he ever will be. Like, he's not an elite passer. But he's such a good runner. He's a Lamar Jackson doesn't have to be. kind of guy. Right, he doesn't have to be. But here's the question mark with, with Jalen Hurts for fantasy and going forward is he obviously needs to be a better passer than he was last year to keep his job. He was, he was pretty bad last year. There were multiple games where they their offense stunk and Jalen Hurts would score 10 14 fantasy points in the final five minutes of the fourth quarter of games, rushing in touchdowns, scrambling, oh, it was racking ex- it was up. so frustrating to play against him. <clears throat> yeah. Because you like, you look at your opponent like, I got him, I got him, I got him, and then bam, he scores 20 points somehow just late. Right. So Jalen Hurts, okay, he needs to be league average, right? And he was not league average last year. How do you say he becomes league average? Well, they added A.J. Brown. And I do think that his coach is actually good. I do think Nick Sirianni knows what he's doing. They pivoted from passing the ball a ton last year to running the ball a ton, and it worked. They made the playoffs. They have good running backs. They have a good offensive line. Like, they're a team in a mediocre division that's set up to succeed in the modern NFL. And Jalen Hurts has already taken that leap from 51% completion percentage his rookie year to 61% this past year. I sort of count that last year as his rookie season because he – I don't know. That was his his first full year starting, basically. Yep. I do think that there is a path for him to improve as a passer. Again – he doesn't have to be amazing as a passer. Like, he just needs to be okay. Like, fine. Nothing special. And if his team but his continues rushing, just to run like they do, they'll be great with an okay passer. Right. Look at the Titans. If, he's a, if he is a game manager level passer and still gives you the rushing volume, that's like the key, though. He ran the ball a ton last year. He's got to continue to run the ball to give you that 
elite production. He's got to give you 800 yards and 10 touchdowns. Um, but he like he's obviously shown he can do that. Like he did that last year. So Jalen Hurts is a sneaky potential top five fantasy quarterback next year. Now that AJ Brown is in Philly, it'll be really interesting to see how high he can climb, how good he can be next year. Yeah, I, the more and more I look at it, like I think he's if he stays healthy and like his weapons stay healthy, I think he will be top five. I'm starting to convert to the uh, so Russell Wilson obviously ends up in a decent situation in the Broncos. And prior to the draft, I had Russell Wilson over Jalen Hurts. But right now, I don't know that there's a world where I can have Jalen Hurts below Russell Wilson for fantasy football. Like, I'm I'm looking at my rankings and stuff. I'm like, I think I prefer a guy like Joe Burrow to him, but I'm not so sure anymore. Like, I'm, like maybe yeah, I give mean, me Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts will definitely be safer week to week, and that's that's where you kind of have to decide, all right, do you want the 40-point weeks that Joe Burrow can give you, or do you want the week-to-week 25-point safety? With with A.J. Brown there, I mean, he can probably give you those 30, 40-point weeks. Yeah, I mean, he just needs A.J. Brown to give you three catches for 103 and a touchdown, and, you know, that that's it there, you know? Jalen, can we please let Miles Sanders score at least once this year, though? That would that would be nice. Pivoting over to the AFC, we've got a few winners over there. We've got Sky Moore, number one, the guy that uh, you got Patrick Mahomes. You win. Yeah, you get great quarterback play for the next however many years of your career. That's a win. You get Andy Reid. You get Patrick Mahomes. And, and I think like, I heard somewhere. Go ahead. I heard somewhere that if you're drafting Sky Moore, you're drafting Andy Reid and Mahomes. That's you're not really yeah, drafting Moore. You're drafting the situation. And kind of like uh, John Dostin, he gets to come in and doesn't have to succeed right away. Like doesn't have to be the guy. They got Kelsey. They got Nicole Hardman. They've got MVS. They've got Juju. They've got all these other guys. And I mean, I think he's better than them, but he doesn't have to come in and. and Take a step right away. Yeah, he he can grow, but there's also the path where, you know, he can be the number two passing option in that offense, and that has historically been a v- extremely valuable piece in fantasy. Obviously, it's been Tyreek Hill, so it's a little bit skewed, but still. <laughs> the, the top five wide receiver. Right. He's not going to be that, but, you know, he is most likely going to be much improved. Well, not really much improved because he just got drafted, but he should be very it's kinda good. Like your, it's kind of like your cheap shot as uh, Travis Etienne is your breakout. He'll be much improved this year. Whatever he does <laughs> is improvement. Exactly. Because he's never played in the... <laughs> Next over here, we've got Traylon Burks, who's a rookie that obviously with A.J. Brown leaving, somebody gets to fill that vacuum. And Traylon Burks is the You get guy, all of A.J. Brown's targets. Yeah, in theory. 
In practice, I don't know exactly how this transfer of power will work. I think Traylon Burks will be really good, but I am really nervous about it because A.J. Brown is... I mean, he is just AJ like Brown's in different. another world. He I, Truly, he is just different. You just can't compare... Obviously, Traylon Burks, we're very excited about him in the draft process. But is he going to be A.J. Brown? I don't know. He walks into probably the best situation of any rookie just because there's the 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 wide receiver one role, the, the top role in your offense is open. Because Robert Woods is going to miss time. I like Robert Woods a lot, but he tore his ACL and he is older. He tore his ACL late in the season. And he's a 30-year-old wide receiver. So, yes, I think he's going to have a lot of trust from Tannehill. But he's probably going to miss some games to start. And, obviously, he's nowhere near Traylon Burks talent-wise. So, Burks is... Burks, more than likely, is my bet for to be the top rookie wide receiver. Just above Drake London. Right. Damian Pierce... Was drafted from the University of Florida to the Everybody's Houston buzzing Texans. about this guy. Yeah, and I think for good reason. The, but, like, that good reason aside, though, there are a lot of question marks. Damian Pierce was graded consistently in college as a great rusher, and yet he never was given that great rusher workload that you would expect in the SEC. Like, if you pull up his stats... Damian Pierce never, never got workload, ever. Feels feels kind of similar to uh, James Cook at Georgia, where like, everybody's super excited about James Cook and he picked up a lot of hype, but he wasn't the starter at Georgia. That was Zamir White. Right. This past year, though, and this is where it gets weird because he was like one of the top three graded running backs this past season by PD, uh, PFF. I keep calling him PDF. He had 100 carries for 500... And, yeah. 100 carries for 574 yards and 13 touchdowns. He had 19 catches for 200 yards and three more touchdowns. So, like, good on passing downs, super efficient with his touches, scored a ton of touchdowns, scored 16 touchdowns last year, but they wouldn't give him, like... 200 carries. Wouldn't give him 220 carries. He only got 100. And, and to that's be fair, Florida's really offense wasn't wasn't great. It was not. If, but it's, it's kind still of an weird. AI offense. I just don't quite know how a guy who's got a career five and a half yards a carry was never given like a full workload. Yeah. I mean, that's, heck, that's Michael the Carter, thing. everybody was worried about Michael Carter uh, coming out of North Carolina, like with the workload he can carry. Is he like a really an NFL running back? And he got a lot more work at North Carolina than Pierce did at Florida. Right, but also Michael Carter's a diminutive human, and Damian Pierce is 215 pounds. Which, I guess, is sort of my point. Like, why wouldn't you give that guy, why would you give Michael Carter a ton of touches, and he played behind Javante Williams and not Damian Pierce? Right. 
yeah, I don't know. Um, Damian Pierce is really interesting, though, because he doesn't appear to have any significant obstacles in achieving a, a, a at least two-down workload at the NFL level. He's got Rex Burkhead, and he's got Marlon Mack, which, let's be honest, that's not much. There's not a whole lot there. Does this affect Marlon Mack? You know, it can only help him, right? Only help him. <laughs> can only help Mar- Marlon Mack. I don't know. I feel like Damian Pierce is a candidate to be the Michael Carter, though, of the 2022 season, where I feel like he's going to be pretty decent for fantasy, and I feel like people are going to fall in love with him. But next the draft, to they're going to... Yeah, they're going to take like B. John Robinson or they're going to take Jameer Jameer Gibbs Gibbs. or Tank Bigsby. That's going to sting for the Pierce owners. Right. But final guy on the list. Again, one year rental. Right. Final guy on the list is your, my guy. Yeah, I think he was it's a, a safe. He was one of my buys um, earlier this offseason before the draft, and I think he's now still a buy. Is Gabriel Davis? The uh, the Bills. I was worried they were going to try to draft somebody because I'm a big Josh Allen fan. So I like even I my, myself like I wanted them to go get him some help, and they they did in James Cook, but they didn't really add any like wide receiver competition that I'm really worried about for Gabriel Davis. So I think he's a big no. winner. He's going to his target share should I don't I mean I'm not saying he's going to get a ton just peppered with targets, but it's going to go up I think significantly from what it has been. He's been getting like 50, 60 targets a year. I would expect that to jump up to closer to 90 90 maybe 100 targets this year. I kind of expect the same thing because Cole Beasley's gone. Emmanuel Sanders is gone. There's a lot of targets vacated. And, and he's a his good obstacle, player. Yeah, yeah, for sure. His obstacle, though, to get that workload is Jamison Crowder or Khalil Shakir that they took in the <clears throat> fifth or sixth Who, round. I've, I can't I've remember, heard a lot Boise of people um, hype up Shakir a lot. They're saying he was a steal where Buffalo got him. And he might be. Honestly, he might be. But I feel like Shakir might just kind of slot into the Gabe Davis role, and Gabe Davis upgrades to a more consistent every-down passing role. Yeah. I'm not putting him as a wide receiver two, but I think he's a very solid wide receiver three with two upside. Yeah, for sure. I do think that about this time next year, we're going to be talking about Gabe Davis as a wide receiver two that has potential to kind of get into that wide receiver one range as Stephon Diggs gets older. I think we could see that with Davis. However, I mean, Diggs got like a four-year contract, so I don't think he's necessarily going anywhere anytime soon. But, I mean, we'll, we'll see. We saw a lot of receivers move this year. Diggs will be will he be 30 29. I think he's 28 is, uh, right now. I think he's 28. Yeah. So, I mean, but we're still seeing, I mean, Devontae Adams is 30. Um, DeAndre Hopkins is 30, and they're still, you know, they're going to get their huge target share. So, that'll do it 
for our NFL draft winners, we've got Christian Watson, Tyler Algier, Jalen Hurts, Drake London, Dotson, Kyle Pitts, Sky Moore, Traylon Burks, Damian Pierce, and your personal favorite, Gabriel Davis. The angel himself. The angel himself. If you enjoyed the episode, check us out on Instagram at fantasybrothers underscore. And while you're over there, why don't you tell us if there's a winner that we missed? Because honestly, there's probably several. We didn't miss any. (laughs) We did. This is an exhaustive list. We got them all. (laughs) We got all of them. All these guys are going to be good for fantasy next year. It's an ironclad guarantee, right? Uh, I mean, what, what you said earlier, we were going maybe not ironclad. I'm gonna go eighty to ninety percent. I'm gonna give myself a ten percent buffer. <laughs> a ten percent, and we'll see. A ten percent, where like if you come to me in the off season, like, hey, this guy didn't do good. Well, I told you there was a ten percent chance he wasn't good. Yeah, it's us hedging. I just gotta gotta you know keep myself safe. I don't want to get right. sued or anything. <laughs> we need to make people sign disclaimers before they listen to the show. If you draft after listening to this, you cannot sue me. <laughs> I, I can sue you, but you can't sue me. That'll do it for this episode. We'll see you next week when we're hopping into some Dynasty Q and A. I'm excited about that. That's going to be interesting. That'll be that'll be from fun, you guys. You tell us, tell us where we're wrong, and we'll tell you why that's a lie. Or tell us you agree with us. We'll love that, too. Fair enough. Let us know on Instagram or Twitter your dynasty questions. We'll be answering them next week, and uh, we'll see you then. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Brothers Podcast. If you enjoyed the episode and want to connect to us, follow us on Instagram at fantasybrothers underscore or on Twitter at fantasybros underscore. If you want to support the show, you can do that at Patreon forward slash fantasybrothers.